We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live game preview edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Nobody loves to bank. They love what banking can help them achieve. Emprise Bank is looking to say yes to those with a dream, whether it's saving for your first home, a new car, starting a family, starting a business like the KCSN Draft Guide. Emprise is your partner impossible. That is Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, it's Game Preview Edition Week. I'm very excited to be talking to my friends. First, find them on LinkedIn, probably, at Maddie Lane, Matthew Lane. Uh, are you wearing a tie on your LinkedIn profile? Um, No, I'm wearing overalls, and my LinkedIn profile is uh, North Carolinian Farmer. Um, good luck. You have to figure out how to spell it exactly how I did. Um, that's that's where you can now find me if Twitter does in fact uh, collapse. Um, let's hope it doesn't, though, right? Like you know, let's Twitter. Twitter's fun. If you don't take Craig, it seriously, Twitter's a lot of fun. It's Craig so has much been fun waiting. You just, no, Craig's been waiting for the demise of Twitter since he opened an account. <laughs> this is I mean, true. You know that you, you know that you know that meme that you can find on Twitter very frequently, like the the ball of fire. Like, oh yes. That's Craig right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're looking to stay in contact with other Chiefs fans like yourself, you should sign up for the KCSN Substack and you get access to the KCSN Discord, which is a far superior way to talk about football with good people who know it. So go to kcsn.substack.com. It's 30 bucks a year, 5 bucks a month. That's way cheaper than Twitter Blue. Plus, it's not just going <laughs> to die this weekend. So you come join the KCSN Discord. Plus, you get all sorts of content. Maddie and I and Kent did a film room earlier this week, breaking down Prince Tigo and Kent loosely there. I was saying, I, he was there. Kent real loosely. I, 
I was that guy in the group project. <laughs> he was there. So, I, no, anyway, it, it, it was good. It was a really Showed good time. Late. <laughs> stayed Have late or, stayed or left early. I mean, you know. Was that fine. was a great job, Craig, because I, I took a video, like I screen capped a video on my phone to tweet out like, hey, if Twitter collapses, make sure you sub to KCSN and come to Discord. Now when I do that, it's just going to look like I'm copying you. So way to get ahead of the game, buddy. You're on top just of trying, it. Man. I'm just trying, man. <laughs> just trying. Um, okay, this, this is going great. Um, I love how people are taking the Craig is great mantra and cutting it down to uh, an acronym. It's just CIG now. I love it. Uh, and continue to throw those up whenever they pop up, Jordan. Uh, this is the game preview edition, but obviously, like, I, I think we can take some of the news that has happened today and go kind of meld it all together, right? So uh, we'll start with this. McCole Hardman has been placed on the injured reserve. It's a big storyline for this game, and we'll talk about some of the ramifications of that moving forward. But McCole Hardman placed on the injured reserve. I believe it's still that core muscle injury slash illness. Uh, don't know what's going on there. Um, best of luck to McColl in yeah. healing. I mean, with the vagueness of that, you know, there's, there's, you know, at least some things to be guessed. It sounds like there's some hope that he'll be back though. But uh, initial thoughts with McColl being out, Matthew. Um, I, positive. I guess it's a good thing they traded for Kadarius Tony now, and you have somebody that can very much insert essentially one to one in that role. We didn't see Tony really run the the vertical McColl routes. Tony's only actual real vertical route, I guess, was the sluggo. He did run on the two-minute drill in the first half like a deep over as part of a play-action uh, concept, but it was completely blanketed. So they will be missing some stuff. Like McColl does run a lot of their deep overs and a lot of deep corner route. He runs Wasp for them now, that deep kind of post corner. He does do some vertical stuff. It's just not straight go routes. Thankfully, they have a guy that can fill into those shoes almost immediately in Kadarius Tony. right? They went out, they traded for a guy that maybe has a role beyond just not only this year, maybe has a role beyond the McCall Hardman role. But in the meantime, when this injury coming up now that I don't think they were aware about, you do have that one-to-one -one replacement waiting right now that you already got some reps in this past week. So that, that's probably the good news of the whole thing. Yeah, and the bad news is McColl was starting to really find a home in this offense yeah. this year. Arguably his best year of his career so far. I know the yardage people are going to point to last year, but he feels like he's a more complete part of the offense this year. So, yeah, this one, I read this one. I was a little bummed by it because I, I do think him in that role that he's got is very important to the way that the Chiefs want to run their offense. Now, like Maddie said, luckily you got a guy like Kadarius Tony. You got a guy like Sky Moore. Try and get those guys, those guys the ball in space and let them work. You can still use some of those things. But McColl knows more of the offense. He knows how to play off of Travis Kelsey in an option route. He knows how to you know translate some of the stuff that Patrick wants him to do as well. I know we see them get frustrated with each other at times, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't know where Patrick wants him to be. Now you got a rookie out there. Now you got a guy that's been here for three weeks out there. There are going to be some understandable growing pains as they get more integrated into more of the offense. So I don't just expect that it's going to be those two guys because it is going to be kind of a committee sort of thing here. And they're really going to suffer without McColl there. I hope he's back. I can see the role for him in this offense paying off in January, February, you know, as far as the Chiefs go. The team is going to need him 
I, I hope that they can get him healthy and that this isn't a long-term thing because he's been playing through injuries so far. So this is this is one of those that you look at and you're like, man, I hope it's not too serious to go on IR at this point. It really sucks in a lot of different ways because uh, there are there have been some very big bright spots for him in a big year for him. I, I feel bad for him because it's his contract year too. Yeah. And that's always like this dude, this dude's out there trying to get a contract and you know, they, they feel like they'd kind of found a groove with him with some of the stuff that they've been trying to do with him recently. And, and so you have all that, you combine all of that stuff there. And it's just, it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer for a guy that's trying to, you know, trying to, you know, earn a, earn a big contract next year and mm-hmm. on the field. Like, yeah, like it's good. It, good thing that they grabbed Kadarius Tony. Cause I do think that there's still a lot of things that he can do. But one of the things I'm thinking about too is just like it's it's one of those it's not one of the major pieces, but it's a, a piece that I keep thinking about that I we probably should value a little bit more than I pretend I don't. Um, punt return, punt return game. I know, like I know, Kadarius Tony's gotten some opportunities and he looked great, but you're thin there again. You know, there's really not a guy behind Kadarius Tony. I think him and McColl are, are the two. Very logical options, and you know, like it's been a, it's been a, it's been a struggle for you know for Sky Moore to this point. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's a it's a bummer. I feel bad. I feel bad for for McColl, uh, and hopefully they get him back towards the you know you know before the the, the season ends because, uh, yeah, they're they're gonna need they're gonna need him. They need everybody that they possibly can, uh, for the home stretch. And so, this is kind of know. one. Of, I was gonna say this is one of the reasons that you probably would have preferred to see the Chiefs work uh, Sky Moore into the offense a little bit more throughout the early part of the season. Like his, maybe he's not ready. Like right, we, there's always that we have to just completely accept the idea that maybe he is just simply not ready to play right now. That is entirely a possibility. But he was always one wide receiver injury away from having to play some reps for this team. Now the addition of Tony kind of helps mask that a little bit, but you're still talking about dealing with a guy that's been in the building for less than a month, replacing the most tenured wide receiver in the entire room. So someone that's been here since training camp and has had, you know, half a year now within the system, you would kind of hope that he's gotten a few more reps, live reps in real games under his belt by now to help Kadarius Tony take over this role. Like this is one of the issues you have with saving a guy and just letting him only develop and practice and stuff waiting for next year. And again, fully accept that he might not be ready. It's just when you're walking into this game now, now you might have to rely on him more than you would anticipate over the next four weeks, especially as we're about to get to this week when you don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the wide receiver room. He's going to have to play. You will just wish he had more reps going into this by now that the Chiefs kind of forced him out there, did a little bit more trial by fire, like a lot of other teams have done with their rookie wide receivers, instead of kind of holding him back to develop, protect whatever it may be as it's going on. Uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you are watching this, we appreciate it. it helps us grow this channel. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's good for every, you know, if, if helping Chiefs fans find it too, helping other Chiefs fans find it as well. So let's, let's kind of go. We, we've talked about McColl a little bit, but, and that's, I think that's a big play. That's one of the storylines of this game, but okay. Now, how do you replace him? How do you probably replace Juju Smith-Schuster who appears to be out? Marquez Valdez scanting, I believe, was a limited participant again today. Uh, there's a lot of question marks on the re- in the receiver room. McCole Hardman added, you know, as as part of that, obviously as well. Uh, the Chiefs might be pretty short-handed at the receiver spot, Maddie. 
yeah, they're definitely going to be down some guys, right? I don't think there's any potentially about it. Like they're going to be, but we did see them go into the, you know, last week's game and they came, you know, they were really going to play the Jaguars and yeah, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was available to start the game, but once he left, he was able, the Chiefs were able to still get it going, right? They were able to deal with this kind of skeleton crew of a wide receiver room. Essentially, this looks like the same wide receiver room. Um, you're not going to have McColl. It does not look like Juju Smith-Schuster's trending towards playing. So you kind of have the same guys. The the biggest one to watch, we talked a lot about the McColl Hardman role. And those guys, Justin Watson, obviously, mm-hmm. he's playing a lot of snaps. He has been playing a lot of snaps to the Chiefs. He has, I think, the lowest yards per route run on the Chiefs, but that's neither here nor there. He is out there, though. He's out there. He's playing, and he's a guy that is likely to get some of these, some of these reps that are going to be surrendered with Juju not out there. He's got that big body. He's a different style of receiver, but they can use him in the same way, just in terms of he can block a little bit. He can go in there and run across the middle of the field. So I'm interested to see how many of those snaps go directly to Watson, how many of them do go to someone like Sky Moore, like Marcus Kemp, who was brought up mm-hmm. fun from Andy Reid. Like, how does this get spliced out going forward? I think Watson's going to see the biggest uptick, but he was already playing a fair amount. I mean, you... You guys knew that Marcus Kemp was getting called up immediately, right? When you uh, when you saw the when you saw the yeah. McColl news, and obviously the McColl spot, I know a lot of people have asked, "Oh, who are they going to elevate? Is it going to be Marcus Kemp?" It's Frank Clark. They had a roster, you know, exemption for him. They were going to need to cut somebody from the fifty-three before the end of this week, so Frank's just going to directly slot into that. Marcus Kemp's going to be a practice squad call up. Has to be. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna bring him up. He's probably going to play some offensive snaps, but I think it's going to be more. 12, 13 personnel. Well, we'll see about 13, but more 12 personnel for sure. And that makes sense because replacing Juju, you want a guy that can operate in the middle of the field, be a little bit more physical, you know, try and try and shield off some of those defenders and, you know, win in all the areas of the field that Juju does. That's going to be probably based on the wide receivers that the Chiefs have on their roster. The best suited fits for that are guys like Noah Gray, or Jody Fortson. Now, certainly not to the talent level of Juju Smith-Schuster, but the rest of those other guys have more dynamic skill sets, vertical skill sets. You know, it, it, they're going to be looking more downfield, operating operating in that intermediate set of the field, especially since Derwin James is probably going to be covering Travis Kelsey for most of the game, as he should. It makes a lot of sense to have another guy working off of that second level of the defense, these linebackers that aren't great in coverage so show up have some of those bigger people on the field and dare them to cover your secondary tight end with one of these linebackers because i think that's a matchup that the chiefs actually win a little bit more so maybe a big noah gray game maybe a big jody fortson game this week um i one thing i i think about and i believe it was the chargers game where they isoed travis kelsey on the backside of the play of the formation and the and the Chargers threw two guys into the into the boundary with them. Um and they just mugged him like he was a like like he was a gunner on special teams. That was that the Chargers game? Am I am I remembering correctly? Um, they put Khalil Mack out over him plenty of times and just had him throw hands until he was released to a secondary player. I I thought it was the Chargers game the last time around, but all I'm the, the one thing I'm thinking about is just maybe, maybe Travis Kelsey's your ex this week. You know, maybe, maybe you're playing maybe. him a little bit more out there, a little bit more. Maybe you're leaning on that a little bit more than you have. Um, just 
you know, as a as a, a change up there. And you can still 12 personnel it. I mean, you can still play, you can still play 12 there with it, you know. You can still do that. It's just you're gonna, you know, now Noah Gray's in the slot potentially, you know, it's or whatever. And and so I I don't know. I, I think that's one thing you could look at is maybe they uptick the 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 why I so a little bit more this week as a way to kind of uh you know kind of help that out. Speaking of helping me out, we're gonna take a break and Tucker's gonna tell you about liquid death. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about some of these strange tall boys of beer that you might see in the bottled water section of your favorite store. Well, it's not actually beer. It's a liquid mountain spring water company from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And you might be wondering, Tucker, why is it called Liquid Death? Well, let me tell you, it's because they'll brutally murder your thirst. That's right. Not only are they going to brutally murder your thirst, they are going to brutally murder plastic pollution in the process. It's wonderful with their infinitely recyclable aluminum cans. They also donate 10% of their proceeds from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. It's great. They've got four flavors. They have regular sparkling water. They've got still water, which is the mountain spring water. And they have uh, mango. They have uh, berry flavored and they also have the one i like here the severed lime i'm gonna go ahead and crack it on open and you can get a liquid death at your local target walmart 7-eleven or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store located tool at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn that's liquiddeath.com slash kcsn we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Great job, Tucker. Uh, you just you, you nail it every time. Um, okay, so before, we, no, 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 no. Before we move on, before we move on, since I couldn't get this in before we had to go to Tuck, I, I like Tuck. I like Tuck. I was I was glad to hear from Tuck. But like, you know, here's here's the problem with ISOing Travis Kelsey specifically versus the Chargers. Um, they kind of have the one guy in the NFL that has been accept like able to shut him down one on one. Like they the one guy. So if you want to even just give somebody him Derwin James a little bit of help, just a little bit of help. Maybe it is a Khalil Mack giving him a little punch off the line of scrimmage. Maybe it's a linebacker just hitting him before dropping into his hook zone on that side. That's not a winning formula. Like they have the one guy that has proven that he can slow down Travis Kelsey a little bit by himself. I'm kind of terrified to ISO up Kelsey, not give him any help, and then just say, hey, Justin Watson, MVS, and Noah Gray, go get open. Like that, 
that scares me a little bit. So I don't know. This is one game where I think I would actually not want to ISO Kelsey Egg at all. Keep him in the bunch. Keep him in a stack. Make it harder for them to get that matchup and have to throw the extra bodies over there. Get your one-on-one somewhere else. Because I just that's the one matchup that I don't think the Chiefs have a huge advantage on. You think they're... I mean, so you're just saying, hey, they're going to play man coverage? or I mean, if you ISO well, him, like what, you blind and Derwin over him, what are you doing? Probably, yeah. Even if you're going to play zone, you can still... I mean, you know, it's playing match. Like this... The Chargers don't static drop like the Chiefs. They're not the Chiefs. They're matching him. So Derwin's probably taking Kelsey most places he goes to at that point in time, right? It's like, you're good. Um, I, think you're, I think you live with that if you're the Chargers. And even if you are playing zone, the Chiefs are losing their second best zone receiver and Juju Smith-Schuster, right? It's like now you're going to have Justin Watson, MVS, newer receivers like Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, trying to be on the same page as Mahomes of finding holes in zone. Like, yeah, I feel pretty good about challenging the Chiefs to do that. You can also play man to one side, zone to the other. Let Derwin lock up Kelsey. You play zone the rest. Like, there's a lot of options I think you just open up without Juju and ISO and Kelsey. Not that they can't do it. Some just being a main part of the, the game plan. I think this is like the one team the Chiefs might not should get away doing that with. Well, one thing they could do is drop eight in coverage like Craig Stout wanted to talk about. Yeah, the Chargers have started doing this a lot more uh, as over the last several weeks. It's almost like they're ramping up towards a big matchup that they want to use it in more. So they've started to sprinkle it in through their defensive game plans a little bit. The last time you probably really, really remember teams using drop eight in a serious way was the AFC Championship game. Do we have to go there? The Bengals really were able to beat up on the Chiefs. Now, Chiefs are going to be down some receivers, going to be down some zone beater you know, receivers, like Maddie just referred to there. So flooding the zone might be in the Chargers' best interest here. I mean, it really might work out to where that is the best option for them. Now, it's a lot less scary when you don't have Joey Bosa there. So if you're rushing three, that's fine. You know, rushing three with a spy, I think if you're the Chiefs' offensive line, you're going to be fine taking that. But I do wonder if there's going to be room. I wonder if we're going to see a lot more checkdowns, a lot more, you know, trying to get guys into space in the flat and trying to make them miss in the secondary. I am a little worried that the Chargers are going to flood the zone a little bit, rush three, knowing that, you know, they're going to be able to have somebody spy on Patrick and be able to keep him in the pocket and just try and do their best to eliminate any throwing lane that they possibly have here and it worked when the Bengals did in the AFC championship game, it would be a big left turn for the chiefs to see. They've seen it some this year, but a big left turn that the chargers came out and really leaned on it heavily in this matchup. Well, and we saw the bills, I guess it wasn't necessarily a drop eight. It was like a drop. I don't know, seven and a half, maybe right. um, like they're rushing yeah. three with the spy that was rotating over. And you, we've seen the chiefs kind of adjust to that, but the principles are still generally the same. That spy is there more or less kind of like the Buccaneers did when in the Super Bowl to just chase Mahomes when he kind of scrambled out of the pocket. So they have a couple different things they can do that isn't relying purely on a four-man pass rush that has lost some juice without Joey Bosa since the last time these two teams played. Like this Chargers pass rush that gave the Chiefs a ton of problems the last time they played doesn't have the top guy. They don't have the lead horse there, and that matters. Khalil Mack is still good. Khalil Mack is not what AFC West fans remember from when he played for the Raiders. He just simply isn't that guy anymore. I don't think the Chiefs should be afraid of him taking over this game. I think the bigger concern, I think Craig's kind of on it, is Brandon Staley coming out, who 
publicly said he called the best defensive game of his life last week against the 49ers. Um, him doing that again, <laughs> and coming out with what he thinks is his second best defensive game plan ever versus the Chiefs, dropping eight, challenging these Chiefs receivers that have, you know, are missing some guys, are missing some horsepower to beat multiple guys in coverage. Like that's something the Chiefs hopefully are prepared for. So, I mean, so far, they haven't been that prepared for it, right? Like this is something that seems to catch the Chiefs with their pants down every time they see it. So hopefully they have an answer this week, especially knowing you are missing one to two of your go-to receivers. I mean, think back to that Chargers game. Who made some of the big plays downfield? McColl had a catch and got forced to DPI. Like that was two of their bigger plays in that game where McColl Hardman, who's now not there, Juju was you know, still like their most reliable receiver. So, you know, there's, there's some issues there if the Chargers just want to play coverage and force Mahomes to beat them with his arm and being accurate the whole time. Good for Brandon Staley to call his A game against Jimmy Garoppolo. Players to watch. Craig, what you got? Well, I already mentioned him once before. I'm going Jody Fortson here. Um, I Jody Fortson appears to be healthy. Uh, we didn't see a ton of him last week. You know, we're kind of rotating in with the offense. I think with Juju Smith-Schuster being out, we're going to see a little bit more heavy personnel. The Chargers are still going to counter with Nickel, and that's fine. Jody Fortson is going to be a target in the middle of the field. And I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to just try and put it up to him, use that length, use that size, and try and get him the ball. I expect multiple catches. I expect a touchdown from Jody Fortson this week, using him in the red zone. I think it's a big Jody Fortson week. And we'll be looking back on this one in the postgame and saying, hey, it's a good thing that the Chiefs had a guy like that that they could lean on a little bit when they were so depleted at the receiver position. Interesting choice, Craig. I am going with Noah Gray, who is coming <laughs> off of two of his better games the past two weeks with the big late down catch to get the Chiefs, you know, into range against the Titans. And then a nice touchdown catch on the little uh, tight end wheel slot fade route to score a touchdown against the Jaguars. Uh, Noah Gray is coming along. I think you see him making, getting a few more targets. You see the Chiefs and Mahomes specifically looking for him on some of these play action concepts. We've seen them now dial up a couple plays in which he is very much the first read of the progression, even working downfield to get the touchdown pass. I think he was actually running a deep corner route on that deep pass in the Titans that ended up being a little bit of a broken play. So he's getting some real stuff called for him. He's playing better. His blocking has been a lot better this year, actually. He's been a lot better as a blocker, which means he stays on the field. Might try to run the ball against this Chargers nickel front. Not always the best run defending team. Chiefs aren't great at it, but, you know, Noah Gray's getting better. So I got my eyes on the other tight end. You ready for a Matty answer? Uh, no. Player to watch, the non-starting running backs. Uh, there's two reasons for both of them. First off, the leading... Uh, target recipient on Sunday, Jerick McKinnon, uh, mm -hmm. got very involved, especially after uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's exit. So that is definitely something I'm going to be monitoring as somebody that, uh, you know, got some got some run uh, in the second half in the passing game, got a lot more involved. And the guy that didn't get involved very well, uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair. I'm keeping an eye on him because, I mean, he's the guy that... Like, I, I'm curious to see what his snap count looks like. I'm curious to see if it's a continual... Uh, regression. I mean, the way we've seen it, or you know, are we taking Andy for his word that there, you know, there are some Clyde games coming? We're gonna find out more about the rotation. I think this week you saw him very well faded out and unsuccessful when he was on the field. Two two targets uh, and on and a, a three and out uh, when he wound up on the field. So I'm very interested to see both of these running backs involved. 
Uh, one, how much they're involved. Actually, really both how much they're involved. One in the past game in one period. Uh, let's move on to the defensive side of the football. Matthew, uh, the Chargers in their quick passing game, something to monitor. Yeah, it's their entire offense. Uh, <laughs> the Chargers' entire offense with Justin Herbert and Joe Lombardi is a lot of quick passing game, and it makes sense. Justin Herbert is a robot. He hits the back of his drop. He has somehow deciphered what the coverage is, who's going to be open, and he works through his progressions faster than just about any other quarterback in the league, and that's both good and bad. There are times when the ball is going to – he's going to get off of a progression too quickly, and he will miss an open guy. He'll miss one of his better players coming open late. There are times when you can see him. He'll get through all of his reads and then be like, oh, there's nothing happening here. What do I do now? And then he has to go use his athleticism, which he can still excel doing. It's just there's a reason they run a lot of quick game beyond just Lombardi. He plays a big part. So when you're looking at the Chargers offense, when things are on rhythm, when things are going well, when he's hitting the back of his drop and guys are open, it looks pretty good because it flows really quickly. It's, you know, five to 10 yards, every single pass, everything goes really well. Then that starts setting up the run game. The issue the Chargers, you know, kind of quick game is going to run into a lot of their concepts are designed to beat cover three are designed to beat single high safety stuff because they're just putting five routes underneath saying, hey, you only have four zone defenders here. Cover these five routes. And Herbert's so good at getting from the left sideline to the right sideline to find the one of the five guys that's open. You know where that doesn't work as well? When the team across me is playing a bunch of cover two and <laughs> they have five zone defenders chilling underneath, one of which is Trent McDuffie who's been playing excellent in that flat. Like He does a good job of taking away two routes as anybody else that I've seen this early on in his NFL career. So like you all of a sudden have a defense that just defaults to playing the proper coverage to stop some of what the Chargers like to do in their quick passing game. So it's just going to be an interesting chess match to see if it's the same traditional stuff the Chargers always do, or do they try to push the ball downfield? Like that cat and mouse game, because in theory, this should favor the Chiefs the way these two teams are breaking in terms of their tendencies right now. And it definitely favors the Chiefs if you don't get to see the two best wide receivers on the field for the Chargers. Mm -hmm. If you don't have Williams and Allen out there on the edges, that changes everything. We liked Joshua Palmer a lot coming out. Joshua Palmer doesn't scare you the same way that those two guys do. And when they have to lean on Joshua Palmer a little bit, they also have to lean on Gerald Everett a lot in their offense. That is a completely different problem for the Chiefs defense to solve there. So we're paying attention to that. Obviously, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, both limited. Both days this week, you know, uh, there's some rumors that who knows, you know, if they're actually going to be able to play. This definitely seems like the Chargers playing a little bit coy with the Chiefs. I expect them both to play. And if that happens, like Maddie said, now all of a sudden you can get a little bit more vertical. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams will absolutely put a double move on you, go up, you know, hit a go ball. They're they're gonna test and try and throw in that honey hole in that cover two zone. The Chiefs are going to run cover two. They just are. That's what they are right now. Joe Lombardi, Justin Herbert, and these receivers know it. They have to be licking their chops a little bit more. So you're gonna be reliant on guys like Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed to react quicker than we've seen them do so far this season to stay over the top of some of these because Justin Herbert has the ability, has the talent, to just hit the honey hole all game long and make the Chiefs defense pay if they do not just you know play cover two all game long. 
Well, and I mean, the read will take him there too. Like to Maddie's point about being a robot, he has no qualms with trying to throw, you know, a, a corner route into that or or throwing a rail shot. He's going to try to fit those kind of balls uh, more often than not. Um, speaking of Justin Herbert, affecting him is going to be a big factor in this game. Getting getting pressure on him. Uh, can they do it with Ford? How do you? I mean, you you got to heat him up. What you thinking? What do you think about that, Craig? I, I mean, if they can't do it with four this week, there's a problem. There's a problem with the Chiefs defense at this point. I mean, they are starting Jamari Sawyer, a sixth-round rookie that you know is coming out in, in the draft this past year. He's over there at left tackle because Rayshon Slater is hurt. His feet don't move particularly well, so it doesn't matter that the Chiefs have a lot of power, guys. They should be able to really test the arc against him. And then the other guy across from him is Trey Pipkins. And this team has seen Trey Pipkins countless times, and they have beaten up on him countless times. If one of those two guys isn't starting, it's Storm Norton, who the Chiefs have beaten on, beaten up on worse. And then with the first time that we saw the, this team earlier this season, we saw Zion Johnson, who's still there, be able to handle Chris Jones a little bit. All they did was move him over in front of Matt Filer, and he destroyed Matt Filer all game <laughs> long. So... I think that the Chiefs should have plenty of success rushing the passer. Now, Justin Herbert's going to get the ball out quick. Again, you know, short passing game, ball's coming out quick. I still think there's going to be plenty of pressure from the four-man rush. Steve Spagnuolo is going to blitz. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know that we're going to see as much this week just because that offensive line is really, really weak, and I think the four-man rush can actually get home, especially with Frank Clark back in action. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Fall Guy, only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, and here's an interesting tidbit. Um, Sawyer playing left tackle apparently in 250, 200, almost just under 300 uh, passing reps, hasn't given up a sack yet. No, this PFS stats, surprising. take it for what you will. Justin Herbert's really good at avoiding sacks because the ball's out quick. He's athletic. I agree. When I watch them, it looks like they're protecting Justin Herbert from death from his tackles. I think they've even actually come out and said, like, you know, eh, we don't really have time to do a lot of stuff right now because of their offensive tackle situation. So I do think that is part of it. Um, I it will be interesting. It'll be a good challenge for the Chiefs defensive ends because we talk about this numerous times every year when they come up to a matchup that they should win. Sometimes they don't do it like, right. There's a lot of times we say this about a matchup and the chiefs defensive, the defensive line kind of comes out and sputters. Look no further than the AFC championship game last year when everybody was beating the Bengals like a drum and the chiefs got pressure like three times. It felt like without blitzing. Right. So 
this is a matchup they should be able to dominate like that. I think I think it's key to get that pressure with four or at least disrupt Herbert, who does like mm-hmm. to operate on time, who does like to operate in this very specific set programmed like uh, checklist. Because if you have to blitz, guess who's really good at seeing where you're blitzing from and putting the ball behind it? Justin Herbert. So not having to bring Snead, not having to bring your backers, and instead getting pressure or disruption with four is important. I think they should be able to get it, but I've you know we've done this song and dance before. No, final note, Zion Johnson may have done a great job against Chris Jones in the first half. I've watched him since, and he's been beaten like a drum more than one occasion. <laughs> I, I hope that somebody, you know, put Chris Jones back over, just let it go again. Maybe it's just the perfect anti-Jones matchup because he's so short and squatty and grabby, and Jones likes to play so high with his swim moves. Maybe it is just a bad matchup for him, but try it again. I've seen Zion Johnson collect a lot of holding penalties this year, so I want to see Chris get another crack at him. Yeah, and I I think this is, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be the player to watch for you guys, but I do think this is a Chris Jones game for sure. The quick interior pressure can really change a lot of things there. Um, it could also force some things to the flat too. And that's one of the things I kind of want to talk about here is, look, you know, whether it's, you know, edge runs, whether it's just getting the ball out to the flat and like, look, I understand this. Like how, what's the percentage on the, on the Chiefs playing cover two right now? 30%. Oh. Yeah, it's it's over 30%. Yeah. It's like 30%. So, but regardless, I mean, the 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 check down, you know, they find themselves in the flats very often. Austin Eckler very good out on the edge, a guy that um on a swing route can be very deadly. Some of the edge runs that they try. The Chiefs pursuit and tackling in the flat is going to be very very important this game because I mean, I've seen I've seen a lot of teams struggle to tackle uh the the chargers in the flat i've seen the chiefs struggle to chap tackle and pursuit to the flat the speed of the linebackers is going to be a factor the breaking down in tackling is going to be a factor here i think out on the edge um it's going to be the 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 ability to change a third and one to a third and four can be very crucial in a game like this where neither team is particularly um healthy so especially with the Chiefs offensive stuff. So I am I'm very keen on, hey, what's the pursuit look like to the flat? What's the tackling look like once you get there? Well, here's the the, the weirdest part. Um look at the Chargers receivers outside of Keenan Allen. They have terrible yards after catch receivers too, yes. right? Like they're not good players at creating yards after contact. It's essentially Keenan Allen when he's healthy, which is very rarely so far this year. And then the big one, Austin Eckler, right? They are going to put Austin Eckler outside in the flat and you're going to, they're going to make guys tackle him. And the one player that gets there, Willie Gay struggles to wrap him up. Every other player who can't get there, will just simply can't get there. Right. So that, that is something that is going to matter for the chiefs. And that is something where if you are, yeah, it Mm -hmm. did. And this is something if you're the chiefs and you're playing, this cover two, you're going to have corners, presumably Joshua Williams and Trent McDuffie are going to be out there towards the flats. Then the pursuit's coming. It will be up to them to at least slow him down. It will be up to them to come up, even if they can't make the tackle, just provide enough resistance until the help does get there. That's, I think, good for the Chiefs. Both of those guys have been very good at at least at making contact and not flat out missing tackles. Both have actually been pretty good at making their tackles as well. So it's a good spot for them. Where I feel the least comfortable is when it's a Justin Reed or a Juan Thornhill having to close mm. out on some of this stuff because they have not been tackling. Willie Gay could be lumped in there too. These guys have not been tackling great. They have the athleticism. They just haven't been tackling great. So it's really matchup dependent. And I do think that the Chiefs cover two, the static cover two, as much as I hate it, once again in this matchup, 
makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. If you got these physical guys on the outside that can tackle, like that's what Steve Spagnuolo wants out of his cornerbacks. And if you're going to lean on them so much, this is it. This is the game for it. This is exactly why you brought them in here because the Chargers want to get horizontal with Austin Eckler, get him into some space and have him make guys miss. And he does nine times out of 10. He is just that good of a player. But if the Chiefs have these big, long, physical, heavy cornerbacks, Austin Eckler is not the biggest dude in the world. You can bring him down with some of those arm tackles. You can you can muddy up his footwork a little bit by you know diving near his legs. The Chiefs, it, it, it's still a challenge. Don't get me wrong. It's still a, a drastic challenge here. But the Chiefs have guys on the outside that can do the sorts of things to try and limit Eckler, to try and limit Keenan Allen. And that's going to be so important in this game because, frankly, the Chargers are not good when it gets to these third and long scenarios. They they run such a quick game, a short passing game offense. Now when you're telling them, hey, you got to get nine, they've got to adjust the routes a little bit more. They've got to change things a little bit more, and it's not quite as consistent. It doesn't look as pretty, especially when the defense is all sitting right there at the sticks and waiting for every pass to come right at the exact same depth there. So it makes it a lot easier because the Chargers don't have that vertical threat. They don't have some of the dynamic players that they can get you know, into space and make it work outside of Austin Eckler. So Yes, it is so important to rack up more tackles for loss and more stops. The Chiefs are on pace for the most tackles for loss of any year in the Steve Spagnuolo era this year. They've really done a good job of staying ahead of the sticks. It's been real in that way. If that continues this week, I think that that creates all kinds of problems for this Chargers offense. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you are watching, please. Helps us grow the channel. You'll be able to stay connected to all of us if you're finding us on Twitter right now. So uh, that's always a nice thing, too. Uh, players to watch. Let's go, Craig. Joshua Williams is my player to watch. Gotten more run than Jalen Watson as of late. He's looked really good doing it. If Mike Williams is healthy, it is a Joshua Williams matchup. A Williams on Williams, if you will. And I think that that's a perfect matchup for him. He's got the length. He's got the physicality. He's not going to be boxed out on some of this stuff. Trent McDuffie won't either. Just the length element of it will matter there. Joshua Williams has a chance to really make an impact. We just talked about him in the flat. His ability to squeeze the boundary against a big receiver like Mike Williams takes away some of the explosive play ability for the Chargers. And if they can do that routinely with this rookie cornerback, that's going to give the Chiefs enough time to get to Justin Herbert enough to where they're going to rattle him. He's going to get off his timer, and then he's going to start trying to run and scramble, and that's just a benefit for the Chiefs if they're sitting in these cover two shells. So Joshua Williams has a chance to really impact the game against a guy that right as of late has really put it on the Chiefs and the smaller cornerbacks that they have. Time to show up, show the big cornerback, and be really good against Mike Williams. Yeah, I, I was considering Trip McDuffie here because I wonder if they're just going to challenge him um, like the Jaguars decided to do last week for some reason. I just I just wondered, but I, I don't think so. I think that the Chargers might be a little smarter. Um, so I'm going to go with the return of Frank Clark. Uh, Frank Clark, the Shark, coming back. This defensive line in these past two games without them has been disruptive. They've been good. They've been really good. Now you're inserting their second best player back into the lineup. 
is he going to come back with just being completely hungry, a little bit refreshed after three weeks, essentially off now and just come back ready to, you know, go on a tear. Now we've also seen Clark come back from time off, whether it's a bye week or an injury and start a little sluggish as he ramps back up. So just which version are you going to get? Is there this hunger to join in on this unit that is kind of coming together at the right time? That's being dominant. And can he return to the player he was pre bye week? This matchup against you know Sawyer, against Pipkins, or Storm Norton with the way he was playing before is going to be a big game, right? Especially you pair that with Chris Jones, what Carlos Dunlap's been doing. Like I think there's a chance he could come back and have a huge game here as a pass rusher or even just a run defender for the Chiefs because that matters, right? So I got my eyes on Frank Clark and this defensive line going to go from disruptive, fun, potentially being really good to like actually maybe being pretty darn good down the stretch here. I'm not, you know, I'm not holding my breath for it, but I think there's a chance and it kind of depends on how Clark comes back. I I'm staying there on the defensive line. Uh, you know, it, it, I, we're all thinking, Hey, this could be a Chris Jones game. Why can't it be a Colin Saunders game? I mean, Colin Saunders has come on pretty strong recently. The last few weeks contract years undefeated. We talk about that rest in peace, Therese. But like I, I, this guy's been playing with his hair on fire. He's played well uh, against the run in the past. He's been disruptive. I mean, this is a weak interior uh, offensive line. Chris Jones is going to be getting a lot of attention. Maybe, maybe Colin Saunders can 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 mess some things up this week too. So I'm keeping an eye on Colin Saunders. He's my player to watch on the defensive side of the ball. It's time to predict this football game, boys. Craig, Whew. well. Um, I, I think injuries matter so much in this game. I obviously that's not groundbreaking news by anybody. I do think that the chargers are going to have a lot of their injured players back. And I think the chiefs are going to be very shorthanded. And honestly, I'm not sure that it's going to matter. The chargers are fairly predictable. This defense without Joey Bosa is a completely different animal. They teams have been able to run on them. Teams have been able to throw on them. J.C. Jackson was not playing great even beforehand, but they've clearly taken even a further step back from him so far since they've been missing him. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they can't protect Justin Herbert very well. Now, sure, he's gotten getting the ball out quick. They're really able to kind of move the sticks two, three, four yards at a time. That's fine. Steve Spagnuolo is more than happy to allow that and hold them to field goals. And I think the Chiefs offense is going to be able to score touchdown so i actually think that this plays right into what the chiefs want they have a chance to essentially go to a four game lead over the entire afc west if they win this one on sunday night i predict that it's going to happen i've got the chiefs winning this one 28 to 17 okay um so I don't disagree. The Chargers might end up being a little bit healthier, but the one guy that's not going to play, Joey Bosa, there's a big gap. Oh, big there's gap. probably the biggest gap out of any non-quarterback in this game going from Joey Bosa to Chris Rumford, Jeremiah Atacho, right? Like that's that's a pretty <laughs> significant drop-off, whether you're talking about a pass rusher or defending the run, because don't. we can't forget how good Bosa is at doing that for a team that struggled a lot to defend the run at times last year and this year. So I do think the lack of Bosa is going to matter as much, if not more than the return of Keenan Allen or the return of Mike Williams or the loss of Juju or McCole Hardman. Like that's the most significant injury of all of those. So I think keeping that in mind, I do think there is an, a path for the chiefs offense to have success. Then I just have to fall back and remember <laughs> this game to the chargers means so much 
It so does much. every time the Chargers play the Chiefs. This game means so much to them, and it does to Brandon Staley, and I do think he's going to have some stuff cooked up. I do think you're going to see Brandon Staley come out with a very good game plan, and without the Chiefs you know, having their full array of still newer weapons, I don't know if they're going to come out clicking, look as good as we all want. So I think it might be kind of ugly from the Chiefs' offense. The thing is, the Chargers offense is just flat ugly. It's gross. <laughs> it's not fun. No one likes it unless you want to watch a bunch of three-yard passes that only work half the time because the receiving weapons have been bad. I do think the Chiefs take it, but I think it's gross and we don't enjoy it. Some more special teams missed kicks are definitely incoming because that's the way this game is going for the Chiefs right now. Chiefs 26, Chargers 22. Uh, it's a kitchen. It's a kitchen sink game for the Chargers. Um, for sure. And it's a little bit of a kitchen sink game for the Chiefs, but not to the same scale. The magnitude of this game, and I'll be talking about that a little bit on the KCSN Substack, and we'll have some numbers to look at too. But um the magnitude of this game is massive for the outlook of the AFC West, for the outlook of the AFC. This is one of the biggest tests remaining for the Chiefs. Um, on their on their schedule for the rest of the year. This is a big game to circle. I don't care who's out for the Chargers. This is a massive game for their pursuit of the one seed, but it about locks up the AFC West, and then we get to laugh a lot at the rest of that division uh, because they spent a billion dollars. It'll be a very fun, it'll be a very, very fun post-game show. Actually, I'm pretty predicting it, It's going to be a fun post-game show. It's going to be an ugly football game, it's going to be a close football game, but the Chiefs are going to win this one 27-24. The Chargers are going to cover. It's going to be a slog, but the Chiefs are going to pull this one out. Uh, they're going to effectively be AFC West champions before Thanksgiving. So uh, I'm Before you close it, I got a question. Uh-oh. A big question. Oh, no. Do the Chiefs, anytime the Chargers get inside the red zone, put Jalen Watson out there on the field to play just to haunt Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. Do they never play him except for in the tight red zone just to play mind games with Herbert and the Chargers offense? And he should he just, if they do, should he just shadow Gerald Everett everywhere he goes? That's That's what I was going to say. If it's a long hurry up drive, yes. Figure out a way to call a timeout, get him on the field against a tired Gerald Everett. Just check out a hitch flat. (laughs) Just check out of it. Just check out it. Run something else. Just run something else, Justin. We know one play they're not running there. So there's that. Uh, That's going to do it for the KZ Laboratory. Thank you, everybody, for watching, for listening. Uh, We'll catch you later.